all of our locations. Can you just put your hands together again for all the team that puts a lot of hours behind the scenes? We don't practice to perform. We, we, we practice to try not to get it wrong in order to just remove as many obstacles we can to give honor to the Lord. And just wanna say thank you to all of our dream teamers across all of our locations, serving you and your families uh, that are giving up their own time, uh, the 15 different services that we're hosting across our locations. Thank you, dream teamers, and thank you, team, and thank you for being here. I don't know what makes me ask this question right now. I don't know why I've got this on my mind, but I've got this question like, Mary, did you know? It's a good question, isn't it? Do you know that in that song we just sang, there are 17 questions asked of Mary? Just let her have the baby, everybody. Just let her figure it out. Don't keep asking her question after question. Have you ever had to get your kids on a question quota? Are we there yet? What about this? Can we open a present, please? Can we just open one before, like, there's a question quota, 17 questions, and I thought as your pastor it would be helpful to you um, that we, if we ask him these questions, we should actually answer all those questions that were asked of Mary. And so uh, this morning, I just want to offer that to you at this Christmas service. All 17 answers. Here we go. No, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Uh, yes, no, 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 no. And yes, yes, no, no. You're welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. So if you go and use that as your cheat sheet, you can answer all the questions that Mary had. We do love to ask questions, don't we, at Christmas? These whole idea of questions at Christmas. We, we have our kids saying, hey, you know, um, when can we open presents? You might have asked, uh, are you ready for Santa to come? He's coming pretty soon. Or have you gotten, let me ask this question. How many of you have gotten all your Christmas shopping done? You're done. Just put a hand up in the air, all of our locations. How many of you say, I'm not done. I got more to do. You got to do, just put it up. Wave it like you just don't care, you procrastinator. I know it. I know it. Lord bless you and keep you and make the crowd not go against you. That is going to be a little wild. We sing songs of questions like, do you hear what I hear? I have a feeling that the way we hear Christmas is not the way the first Christmas sounded. Even away in a manger, the second verse says, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. What? Crying he made. Crying he made. He wasn't a doll. He, he was fully human, fully divine. He was real and crying he made. I don't know whose crazy nephew came with Uncle Eddie to the barn when Jesus was born, but he brought his nephew and the nephew had a drum and the drummer saying, shall I play for him? That's like your kid bringing up the flute or you know, the recorder during the middle of your Christmas morning and shall I play for him? Pa -pum -pum? No, you shall not. Let me rest. I just had a baby, everybody. Cindy Lou Who asked the question, where, where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Charlie Brown, in one of the great Christmas cartoons of the previous generations, asked the question, is, is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? It's crazy. We do say, Jesus is the reason for the... And do you know that if you ask Jesus what the reason for the season, he'd say, you are the reason for the season. Does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And when you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books, 
written by about 45 different authors over the course of 1,500 years on three different continents in three different languages. They combine not to tell 66 different stories, but they combine to tell the story, the one story. And it's not a story about people trying to figure out how to find God or people trying to figure out how to get close to God. This one story through 66 expressions is about a God who found a way and gave a way because he wanted to get close to people. That's the whole story of Christmas. In fact, if you're taking notes on the worship guide, you can fill in some blanks and write this down that Christmas is God's best. All locations everywhere. Let's say it together. Ready, go. Christmas is God's best. It's not his second plan. It's not the junior varsity. It's not, I don't know, this first thing didn't work with the old Ten Commandments and whatnot. This was God's best, most personal expression of love. God could have given us a formula, could have given us a Y equals MX plus B equals this is how you find me. He could have given us a secret code. He could have given us do this and this and this and that, and that's what it takes. But instead, he shows us the way to him is through a relationship, not through a regulation. Christmas is God's best, most personal expression of love to us. That's what Emmanuel is all about, God with us, God with us. And Christmas is supposed to be pretty simple. God so loved the world, he'd send his son to live a perfect life, die the perfect death in our place, raise again, prepare a place in heaven. You don't prepare your place with all your good works. He prepares a place for you. That you have a place in heaven is your ultimate home. And all you have to do is not earn that gift. He has the gift. And he unwrapped it for us and he placed it uh, on the stage of human history through his son, Jesus Christ. It's simple, but we like to complicate stuff. And it's got to be a certain way and a certain thing. And it's a list and it's, and it's, it's regular. And it's, it can become a little bit robust and complicated when it really starts with a personal expression of love to us. We talk about in Christmas, all is calm, all is bright. But we know all is crazy busy, <laughs> We got a lot to do and a lot of things to check off the list. And I can tell you at Christmas time, I mean, I've got high expectation. I'm excited about the gifts that we've gotten our kids. I'm a little nervous about the gifts I've gotten my wife because I just want to make sure it says the right thing and does the right thing and it fits right, you know, all those things. And, and, and she's got gifts. Everybody's got high expectations at Christmas. You've got high expectations of how things are going to go. You might be hosting family at your home and you've got all of the, you know, the, the 13 by 10 casserole dishes ready to go, baby. And I mean, you got the green bean casserole on standby and you got high expectations for how everything goes. And some high expectations are good, or you might have some expectations that things are going to get a little tense and you're, you're having to navigate some emotions this Christmas. And you know, even in Christmas, there's the unexpected. There are the things that we didn't see coming. A job transfer, a layoff. Um, maybe it's a good thing, it's promotion, but it's causing you to have to change some hours. You're gonna have to miss some stuff. You're gonna change some things. And it's unexpected what it looks like. Maybe, maybe it's unexpected hurt or wound. There's an empty chair at a table this Christmas. This is the first Christmas that kids are at one house in the morning and another in the afternoon. There's all kinds of high expectations and then unexpected. And what I love about the word of God 
is it isn't cleansed and washed and rinsed to be the perfect thing for you to know how to live the ideal life. It's meant to reach people in their real life with a one true God, but meet you in the real, in in the stuff that we walk through and we go through and we have to navigate. And when you go to Christmas and you see one of the best pictures that shows us Christmas is what we understand is the nativity. The, 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 the picture of the birth of Christ there in the stables, you've got Jesus center stage in a feeding trough and Mary and Joseph, and you've got the shepherds and, 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 and listen, they all dealt with the unexpected. In fact, write this down. The nativity is a masterclass in navigating the unexpected. The nativity isn't ideal life. The nativity is real life. Think about it this way. Mary is a teenage virgin just doing her geometry. And through the, through the window comes Gabriel. She's like, ah! she drops the protractor. And he's like, well, bless you who are highly favored. Like, she's like, what you talking about? And that's unexpected. She has to go meet Joe at the local Starbucks and say, listen, I love you. We're going to get through this, but I got to tell you something. And then I need you to come with me and talk to my parents because I don't know, because the angel left and she gave me, he gave me some news and I got to talk about it. And Joseph goes, and he's got to navigate all this. They're engaged. What, what is this story she's telling us? Now you would think with, with the son of the living God, It would be the most planned, most well-executed moment on the stage of human history. But every single moment of the story looks like it's a left-hand turn and a dead end and a detour. I mean, God, since the beginning of the foundations of the earth were formed, had a plan to send his son. Why weren't all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted? Because Mary and Joseph wouldn't have been easier if they just lived in Bethlehem instead of having to travel for several days with like Mary Major Prego on a donkey? This was not a Lexus donkey, okay? This was a Pinto donkey. Showing up and they get to the courtyard Marriott and they're booked, they're sold, there's no room. Why didn't God plan this out? Even what's, what's crazy is they didn't follow a star. They actually followed a decree from the government. The government said, you got to go back to a town in order to do your census. And so they weren't going because God said for them to go. They were going because the government said that they would go. So that was unexpected for them. God has a way of using unexpected stuff to meet us right where we are. Even the wise men. Now, now if you read the, 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 the word of God, you will see that most likely the wise men, I don't want to mess up anybody's Christmas. I don't want to cancel Christmas, but the wise men were probably not at the nativity. They probably weren't at the stable. They were probably more like when Jesus was a little older, but for tradition's sake, we have them there at the stable. So we'll, we'll situate the whole deal. And in Matthew chapter two, we hear the story of the wise men. Here's how the story rolls. When Jesus was born, some wise men, some magi, some kings, probably several hundred miles away, probably took them about six to seven months to get there. They were coming from um, modern day Iraq and Baghdad. They had come from the east to Jerusalem. Now they asked when they got there, where's the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
For this Christmas, and what I love about Christmas is sometimes as a pastor, it's the same story every Christmas, you know, but there's always a little wrinkle. There's always a little something. There's always a, a different camera angle. And I, I want to take the camera angle over the shoulder of the wise men today. And I want to kind of just look at, this, look at this question of where's the baby? It was born to be the king. Where, where, where's the baby? They were excited and anticipating the baby. And they showed up following a star to where they thought would be the spectacular moment, and it was unexpected. What I want to offer you today is wisdom from some wise men for the space that happens between the ideal life and the real life. Because the truth is, that's where we live. We're going to have ideal life and real life, and we live in a tension between those. Let's unpack that today. Let me give you the first one. Here's the first thing wise people do when facing an unexpected moment. Wise men ask questions when facing the unexpected. Now, 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 here's what's crazy. It's so counterintuitive that the wise men, people that are considered wise, that they would even be asking questions. We usually go to people that we think are wise so we can ask them questions. And listen, 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 listen. If you need wise people in your life, to speak into your life, if you have questions burning in your soul and you need answers to serious questions, let me tell you where to find wise people. Facebook. <laughs> Just look, there are hundreds of people lined up waiting to give you wisdom because they are wise in their own eyes. You know what the Bible calls someone who thinks they're wise in their own eyes? Foolish. And yet we tend to do that, don't we? Listen, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, there are times where you've been following the star and all of a sudden it's a detour. And when we follow the star and we end up in a stable instead of somewhere spectacular, what we can do is we stop asking questions and we make assumptions. Where is God? That must have not really been a star. That, 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 I guess he was never with me anyway. We forget that we've been traveling for months with a light that's been guiding us. But when we get into the unexpected, it's really hard to see, isn't it? I want to invite you that Jesus can handle any question you have. But as, as followers of God or people that are investigating the claims of God, we tend to kind of make our own assumptions and we kind of stop asking questions. And I think the church is kind of at fault at that because we used to say a lot, like God said it, I, I believe it, that settles it. And we didn't want to talk about questions. And what we did is we... We just left people asking questions and making their own assumptions, and the word of God is an answer to us all. And he wants to guide us into all truth. Keep asking questions. Here's another thing you can do. Number two, the wise men, they kept looking for God in the middle of the unexpected. I mean, they show up in Jerusalem after following the star for several months. Can you see the, the wise men on the camels showing up? Arabian Show up to, you're welcome. I was going to sing Mary, did you know? But they said, nah. They show up to the palace. Big old doors. They walk in pulling a red wagon full of diapers. And they got infamil in both hands and a baby bajorn. Like, where's that baby? And the baby's nowhere to be found. I remember my grandpa's last Christmas with us. It was in November, and he had gotten news that day um, that he had stage four lung cancer. 
and he would die just a couple months later. But we had had a brand new, the very first grandbaby had come and the grandbaby was at our house. It wasn't our grandbaby, it was my brother's son. And even though the diagnosis was there and grandpa was very, very sick, we were all gathered at the house with tears in our eyes waiting for grandpa to walk through the door so we could hug him and cry together. And I'll never forget grandpa coming through the door before anybody else with more energy than I've ever seen him having had the worst report he's ever been given. He comes to the door and you know what he says? Where's, them, where's that baby? Where's that baby? Because even though he was in the middle of the unexpected, he was looking for what was most important. Can you find God in the middle of a situation? Many times what we see is the circumstance versus the Savior. We see the stuff instead of, we see the storm instead of the one who can calm the storm. It's normal. It's natural. And if you're there, I want you to know he's not forgotten. You keep looking. The truth is this. What we look for, what we look for, we usually find. This Christmas, if you're gathering family together and you just can't wait for uncle so-and-so to say whatever, because you know how they always are, always commenting on my weight and it just ticks me off. Yeah, it's okay to slap him. Slap Uncle Doug. He will learn, or maybe he won't. He's Uncle Doug. He's like Uncle Eddie. I get it. We all got one. And if you're like, we don't have an Uncle Eddie in our house, <laughs> you might be Uncle Eddie. <laughs> what we look for, we usually find, everybody. If you want to find a criticism in your kids, if you want to find a fault in your kids, I promise you, you'll find it. Because you find what you look for. You want to find something to lift their spirits. You want to find joy in the middle of a circumstance. You want to find hope in the middle of the dark times. You can find it, but you find what you're looking for. You know who wasn't looking for a baby this Christmas, that Christmas? You know who wasn't looking for the king of the Jews? King Herod. Because when King Herod heard this, he's like, uh, back that up. Who, uh, who are you looking for? Who's being born what now? I mean, King Herod was ruthless, killed his own wife killed his own brother, killed his own family to keep control of the throne. He also, from this story, has a decree. He kills all the babies in the area under two years old because of hearing that the king was coming that was being born. Now, when Herod heard this about the baby and the wise men were like, where is he? Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and they asked them where the Christ would be born. And he's not asking because he's interested. He's asking because he's insecure. And sure enough, those teachers and those priests, the holy people, when I say teachers of the law, that's not Harvard Business Review. That's like um, the, the teachers of the word of God, the first five books of the Bible, the law. And sure enough, they answered, well, in the town of Bethlehem in Judea, because they had found the prophecies that had been written about that this is where the Messiah would come. This is where the king would come. Here's my question for you. If the holy people, if the pastors... found that the baby was going to be born in Bethlehem. Why don't we see them going with the wise men? Why don't we see them like saying, whoa, I can tell you why. Because what we look for, we usually find, and they weren't looking for something. Friends, listen to me. Every Christmas, we sing songs. We talk about baby Jesus. And what can happen is you can know it here and you can experience it here. 
But Jesus is wanting it to be a best, most personal expression here. They had just read a scripture. They didn't understand what they were really looking for. We've kind of built Timber Creek with those kind of people in mind that maybe you feel like you got all the God you need, but you still feel a little emptiness. You, you, you got the answers, but maybe there is still some questions. We invite you to take that journey with us this next year. Question is, what am I looking for? What are you looking for? Everybody's looking for significance and stability and security, and we find that in a king. Whatever you put your hope in, whatever you find your stability in, whatever you find your significance in, that's your king. That's your king. It may be a paycheck. It may be a relationship. It may be an affection. It may be a whatever it is. But that's what Jesus wants to be, your stability, your significance. In fact, in the prophecies in Isaiah, if you're looking for equilibrium in your life, I need something to give me balance. He's the prince of peace. Peace isn't a philosophy. Peace is a person. He's the prince over peace. If you're looking for identity, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Is this all there is? Good news. He'll be an everlasting father. That means if you can discover that he is a father, you are a child. And he's not a halfway father. He's an everlasting past, present, future. He'll take all your stuff in the rear view and everything in the future. And he'll still love you. And he'll be an everlasting faithful father that's not waiting for you to hit the curveball. He just loves you and wants to invite you into relationship. If you're looking for guidance, oh, wow. He's a wonderful counselor. He gives you exactly what you need when you need it. If you are needing strength, he's a mighty God. He's big enough for you. And so what happens with the wise men is they heard the king and they left. It, it could have been that they were like, well, forget it. Let's just leave these gifts here. Maybe Herod can use them. Let's go back to Baghdad. Why waste our time? But instead... They said, okay, this was a detour. This was unexpected. We thought he'd be at the palace. We brought presents fit for a palace. But when they stepped out, they didn't have to go alone. In fact, the scripture says that the star that they had seen in the east, they went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. Sometimes when we get lost and we feel like I've been following and I don't know where I'm going, when we decide to try and take another step, just know that's a journey. The wise men didn't turn around. It's like, oh, there he is. They had to take a step and they had to go out those big doors and down the marble steps and through the lush garden and all of the pools and, 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 and the landscaped flowers and the massive hedges. Herod was the greatest architect ever known to man. And they had to go through the merchant shops and from the upper class to the middle class to the lower class to the lower, lower, lower class out the gates and down the hills and through the shepherd's pastures and down a dusty road for a three and a half hour walk to show up to a tiny little outpost that looked like shantytown, that looked like sheds in the poverty-stricken city of Bethlehem. And it took a while to get there, but they kept following the star and they show up at a stable. Whew. It's not what they expected. Now, if I'm the wise men, we got Bob and Ralph and Gary. Did you not know that those were their names, Bob, Ralph, and Gary? It's in Third Matthew. You'll have to check it out later. It's a joke. Bob, Ralph, and Gary, they look at each other and say, boy, we brought, we brought nice stuff. I mean, if it's me, I'm thinking, you know, hold, hold back on the gold. You know, like, 
here's some deer corn and a bale of hay, God bless. Because they're in a barn. But instead, number three, wise men offer their best to God, even in the middle of the unexpected. The story goes that they bowed down and worshiped him and they opened their gifts and they gave him treasures of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And this is why we share gifts with each other at Christmas, everybody, because of the gifts that were given to Jesus. And here, here they are given these gifts. I mean, wow, what does this say? A lot that I can't unpack today. But can I tell you that so often we point to the gifts that the wise men brought as gold and frankincense and myrrh. But if you're not careful, you'll skip right over that and you'll miss the greatest gift they brought. They bowed down and worshiped him. God doesn't need your gold. In heaven, he walks on it. But he doesn't force you to give him his, your heart and your surrender and to honor him as the king. And these wise men, king in their own, in other people's eyes, kings, magi, they bowed down and they surrendered to a, to a baby. Because even in the middle of their unexpected, they knew that they knew that they knew this was the king they had been looking for. So if Christmas is God's best, most personal expression of love to us, Let's ask another question this Christmas. What is my best, most personal expression of love to God this Christmas? Can I tell you what it isn't? It isn't your to-do list and it isn't the accolades and it's not the trophies and it's not a well-behaved kid, and it's not, it, it, it's not the gold, it's not the frankincense, it's not the myrrh, and it's not the ideal life. Your best, most personal expression of love to God this Christmas is your real life. You're getting up in the morning and going to sleep. You're going to work, dealing with Tammy. You're going to the ball games, and you're talking with a friend. You're having a meal together. There's an argument. There's a divorce, there's a hurt, there's a diagnosis. And Jesus is inviting you to let him be the king, not over your ideal life, but over your real life. And that's what brings us to our Christmas survey. Have you invited Jesus to be the king of your life? to be the source of your stability and significance and help? That's the question. And everybody has to answer that question today. And so pull out the survey card. You can scan the QR code and take it digitally or you can do it right there with a pen or pencil. And I'm gonna walk you through and we're gonna go backwards, D-C-B-A. Everybody fills it out together. You would check D today with the question, is God the king of your life? Would you like him to be? You would check D if you're saying today, no thanks, that's, I'm here, I've got my own theories, that's not for me. 
I want you to know, hey, we're just glad you're here taking time out of Christmas Eve to be with us. Maybe you felt dragged here by a family member or friend. I'm glad they drug you here, but listen, no pressure. Here's what we'll pray over you. We'll not pray, oh God, help him, oh Lord. Here's our prayer. God, you are real. We believe you're real. That if you are who you say you are, will you meet them where they are? This next year, will you meet them where they are? And you may be a no thanks. I just pray that the God of all things will show himself to you in some way. You may be here and you wouldn't check D, but you would say, mm, I wanna consider this. I, this is, I know that there might be some things I need to shift, some, some theories that I may need to be willing to question. I may have to ask some questions, may have to make some changes. I'm still considering. We built this church with you in mind, honestly. Like, this is a great place where it's okay not to be okay. It's great to take a journey. In fact, our hassle-free guarantee we say it like this, give us a year, ask some questions, give us a year, engage the process. We believe Jesus will meet you where you are and transform you from the inside out. And we just wanna help you along the way. That's our hassle-free guarantee. We just wanna help you along the way as tour guides on you taking next steps to find the king. Now listen, you know, you know, you're here and this is resonating deeper. And it's time for the first time or the first time in a long time to say, Jesus, I, I wanna follow you. I want you to be the king and I've just let life happen. And I don't want that. I need Jesus to be my savior and my king. And you would check B. And then if you're in the house and you are already following Jesus, you check A. Can I tell you something? Keep asking questions. Keep looking for God and help others find him. Keep offering your best to him. Can I pray for everybody? Take that survey card, check it, hold it in your hand. And this is actually another offering. This isn't a financial offering. This is a heart offering that we're gonna receive in just a moment. I'm gonna invite all of our locations to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just wanna pray over you. Will you receive this prayer today? Father, thank you for joining us here. You're the host, we're the guest. You've invited us in. Father, for those that say no thanks, I get it. There may be reasons behind that, layers of stuff that they need to figure out. I pray that you would meet them where they are. If you are who you say you are, meet them where they are. Jesus, for those that are investigating, they need, to, they need to kick the tires a little bit here. Okay, Jesus, thank you for being so patient with us. It is your patience and your kindness that leads us to repentance. I just pray that you continue to be patient with them. Now listen, if you've checked B, I wanna pray over you. And you can just kind of pray in your own words a prayer like this. You would say something like, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me, for loving me so much that you would make a way to God through you living the perfect life. You dying in my place, paying for my sin, sin that is my way over God's way in any way. I don't wanna live that way. And so I, I give my life to you. Be on the throne of my heart. Start today, God. Jesus, thank you for not being mad at me. Thank you for giving me this moment to make things right. Help me with the next step to follow you. Jesus' name, and now for everybody that's following, Lord, may we get closer and closer to you. 
Even the followers ask questions. Even the followers come to detours. Even the followers have suffering and pain and hurt. May they still find you as they follow the star. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty name, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen.